This podcast is supported by Anchor FM. If you've ever thought about doing your own podcast, then check out Anchor FM. Anchor FM is a free podcast platform that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Or your tablet if you got one. I really can't recommend these guys enough. It was worth switching over from another platform. Once you set up your podcast, Anchor FM will automatically distribute it to all other platforms like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or such and such. It's very easy, very streamlined, and you can start making money immediately. Download the free Anchor app or log on to anchor.fm to get started. This is a Kitty Pod production. Welcome to CR Crime, the only podcast dedicated to true crime in New York's capital region. I'm your host, Jason Bullitt, whom you may remember as host of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, of which this is an offshoot. As teased in a number of previous episodes, this week marks the start of a four-part, month-long series marking the fifth anniversary of the escape from the Clinton Correctional Facility in Dannemore, New York. The prison break led to a manhunt that intrigued the entire state and made international headlines in the process. In this episode, we'll take a brief look at the facility's history and how the two principals involved got there in the first place. Before we begin, your narrator would like to recognize the primary source of this series of episodes which is a book entitled Danamora, Two Escaped Killers, Three Weeks of Terror, and The Largest Manhunt Ever in New York State by Charles A. Gardner. This book came out only last year in hardcover and just over three months ago in trade paperback. The Clinton Correctional Facility, located in the Clinton County village of Danamora, was founded in 1845, thus making it the third oldest prison in New York State. It is also the largest. That, along with the harsh winters and general isolation, led to the nickname of Little Siberia. The facility also played host to the Dannemora State Hospital between 1890 and 1972, as well as a death row for male prisoners, which was removed in 2008 when the death penalty was repealed. Also, the prison is the site of an historic chapel called the Church of St. Dismas, the Good Thief, on brand for a prison in my book. Given the clean air of the nearby Adirondack Mountains, the prison also provided a natural cure for tuberculosis, as there was no vaccine at the time. More than you can say for COVID-19 right now. A riot in 1929 at the prison, which also took place in other prisons, led to reforms throughout the state system. Schools were added to prison grounds, and the prisons themselves were either renovated or completely rebuilt. Clinton Correctional Facility has also hosted many inmates, including but not limited to two subjects of future episodes of this podcast, Christopher Porco and Robert Garrow. Charles Lucky Luciano, who helped shape the mafia in the United States, did time at Donamore before being deported to Italy after the Second World War. He donated the Appalachian red oak wood to make the pews in the prison chapel. Also found amongst famous or infamous inmates are the preppy murderer Robert Chambers, 
who faced new charges on discovery of cocaine in his cell on top of his punishment for the murder of Jennifer Levin in 1988. Paul Geidel, the longest serving inmate in U.S. history, having been in the clink for just over 68 years. Winston Morley, the murderer of Kitty Genovese, the subject of the bystander effect in psychology. Carl Panzram, the first real infamous criminal in U.S. history, and someone whom I remember from when I started listening to the last podcast on the left. Ralph Bucky Phillips, subject of his own manhunt downstate a decade earlier. And two famous deceased rappers, Tupac Shakur and Russell Jones, better known to fans of the Wu-Tang Clan as Old Dirty Bastard, or ODB for short. A foster child, Richard Matt was born in Tonawanda, a city northeast of Buffalo, on June 25, 1966. Matt's criminal career began during his teenage years when he stole a houseboat and was remanded to a group home. He escaped from the home and fled to Allegheny State Park. After a decade or so in and out of mugshots, Matt jumped the fence to escape from the Wind Correctional Facility in the town of Alden, and evaded police for four days, only to be apprehended after hopping a freight train to his brother's house in his hometown. But it wasn't all escapes. In 1991, Matt convinced David Telstar, that's his name, don't wear it out, a fellow prisoner, to pay him $15,000 bail while awaiting trial for rape and assault. Matt ended up informing on Telstar who fessed up to promising him a further hundred grand for participating in a murder-for-hire scheme. Even though Telstar got additional time, Matt's sentence wasn't reduced. On December 3, 1997, Matt and an accomplice, Lee Bates, broke into the home of his former boss, William Rickerson, in nearby North Tonawanda. The two kidnapped Rickerson, then in his mid-70s, forced him into the trunk of their car and took off on a round trip to Ohio, periodically stopping to beat him along the way. Matt and Bates broke Rickerson's neck, threw the body into a river, and fled the Empire State to avoid capture. Check that. He fled the country as he made his way to Mexico. On February 20th, 1998, Matt, no word on what happened with Bates, presumably he was arrested, murdered Charles Perot, an American engineer who worked at a local factory in the Mexican state of Matamoros. He encountered Perot at a bar and stabbed him nine times in the back and abdomen in an attempt to rob him of $300. On police apprehension shortly thereafter, Matt provided the name of his half-brother, Wayne Shimp. Matt was convicted of Perot's murder in a Mexican court and sentenced to 23 years in prison, from which he nearly escaped but was stopped after being shot at by prison guards. His son told reporters, he's been shot like nine times. It's like they can't kill him. Life in lockup south of the border proved difficult for Matt. Mexican authorities concurred and exchanged Matt for a drug kingpin, thus extraditing Matt back to the U.S. Ten years later, on April 15, 2008, Matt was convicted of murder in Niagara County Court and sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. He was later sent to the Clinton Correctional Facility. David Sweat grew up diametrically opposed to Matt 
in the village of Deposit, which is split between Delaware and Broome counties in the southern part of the state. Little is known about Sweat's life, but in the early morning hours of July 4, 2002, he and an accomplice, Jeffrey Navinger Jr., murdered Broome County Deputy Kevin Tarja. Deputy Tarja was looking into a suspicious vehicle in a park in the town of Kirkwood. The vehicle in question was Sweat's, and Tarja was shot and run over multiple times. On July 21, 2003, Sweat was convicted of first-degree murder. Navinger was convicted of same the next day. Sweat was sentenced to life in prison with, according to the Binghamton Press and Sun Bulletin, no hope of parole. It was at Danamora where Sweat and Matt met, and that is where we'll pick up the story next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of CR Crime, the only podcast dealing with true crime in New York's capital region. If you like what you heard, check this and my other podcast, the Keep It To Yourself podcast, on your favorite podcatcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, why don't you hit the subscribe button and give me a good write-up and a five-star review. I'd certainly appreciate it. Thanks as ever for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Nabinger follows suit this next morning. The same charges were issued to Nabinger the following day. Mm.